are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Welcome to Keep It It Real with Jimbo, where you can listen to relevant conversations of everyday life with everyday people. And now, here is Jimbo. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real with Jimbo. We have an amazing show today because we have a very special guest. I want to let everyone know I've been planning and preparing for this interview for quite some time. So I'm going to jump right into this conversation with Deanne Portia. She is a natural healer, a wellness coach, and she is here to talk about the power of healing from within. Deanne uses effective stress reduction techniques based on principles and practices of mind-body medicine and teaches her clients to use spiritual practices to build a balance in spirit, mind, and, and in the body. So some of you might recognize her as she was featured in the Netflix hit documentary called Heal. Uh, you know, I watched it the other day and I encourage everyone to check it out, you know, I was blown away and have so many questions that I don't even know where to start. So I'm going to, I'm going to dive right in, but first Deanne, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule, you know, for joining me for this anticipated conversation and, uh, um, you know, welcome to keeping it real with Jimbo, man. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I, do I call you Jimbo or Jimmy or James? Uh, you know something, um, <laughs> I, 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 Jimbo's fine with me. Okay, Jimbo. <laughs> Most of my friends call me Jimbo. My my real name is James Harlow. Oh, um, yeah. If anybody would call me James, I would think you were a bill collector or somebody trying to sell me something. So, um, okay, um, Jimbo it is. <laughs> yes, Jimbo yeah, is yes, ma'am. Me. Yes, ma'am. You know, <laughs> Deanne, I know there's a buzzword or phrase out there that is, you know, the, the body follows the mind. Okay. Yeah. I think our listeners can relate in some way. I mean, Come on, let's think about it. You get bad news and all of a sudden your stomach hurts. You know, that's a, a classic good example, you know, for our audience. You know, but can you take this statement and even deeper explain this in your own words for me? Yeah, absolutely. Well, what I start with really is that um, our emotions really follow thoughts, right? So the thought comes into the mind first. And then the meaning that we bring to that thought creates an emotion. And then the emotions create a chemical reaction in the body. And, you know, that chemical reaction, uh, you know, takes us down two different routes, which one could be the stress route, that freeze, fight or flight route, if we go into fear, or if, you know, we're feeling love and joy and gratitude, it takes us down that path of, um, you know, growth. And each of those two responses in the body, um, you know, one, if you're in the protection mode, you know, when that fear mechanism is triggered, that freeze, fight or flight mechanism, um, it releases the chemicals of stress. So the cortisol and the adrenaline, and of course, your body is being prepared uh, to either run away or freeze or fight, right? Mm -hmm. And then the opposite is also true. If we're in our joy and our our gratitude, our love, um, the chemicals that are released are the feel-good hormones, the endorphins, the dopamines. Um, the other great thing about, you know, keeping a positive state of mind and actually embodying that is that when we're feeling good about ourselves, about our life, about our environment, we're also um, supporting the production of T cells and T cells along with uh, helper cells are what keep all of our cancer cells in check, right? So everyone has cancer cells in their bodies mm -hmm. and um, you know, it's our beautifully functioning immune system and the T cells and helper cells uh, that really keep, keep them in balance and in check. So that's a short person. Also, our feel-good hormones are stimulating the production of immunoglobulin A, or IgA for short, and that's the immune system's primary defense against bacteria and viruses. So, you know, how we hold our thoughts and emotions in our body can either support our immune system or kind of impair it and hinder it. Wow. 
um, yeah, um, you know, I, I, I certainly, uh, you know, you know, a lot of those, you know, to be honest with you, um, it, the way you explained it, um, you know, every, a lot of things kind of hit home, you know, obviously, um, what, com- what comes up for you, Jimbo? Well, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, you know, if you're feeling good about yourself and you're, you know, from whatever, and that, and that change can come, can come quick. It can come from anything, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, going from, you know, feeling down in the dumps to, uh, you know, being on cloud nine and it can, and it can go from the opposite way as well. Sometimes, at least for me, I, you know, I can't speak for, for everybody, but you know, you could be on cloud nine and, you know, five seconds later, next thing you know, you're in the dumps, but you know, obviously when, when you're, when you're, you know, when you feel good and you have a good attitude about things, things just are perceived in a whole different way or a whole different manner and your day goes by better and so on and so forth and how that ties into your body, you know, obviously to me makes, makes some sense, you know, so that's, that's, that's pretty amazing to me. You know, I'd mentioned that, you know, you were in the movie Heal, but you also hold master's degree in spiritual psychology. You know, you're a diplomat in the, the, the College of Mind-Body Medicine. You earned a bachelor's degree in fine arts, a certification in therapeutic touch. You know, your numbers, you know, on holistic, you know, association, the list goes on and on, right? You know, yeah. you're very decorated. You definitely know your stuff, and that's so impressive. But can you kind of take us back and how did you get into this field of, you know, spirituality, meditation and, and energy healing? How, well, what mm, sparked it for boy. you? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it was, uh, I guess, getting on this healing path really started with um, a personal life upset. And that was going through divorce over 20 years ago. And I was looking, you know, how am I going to reinvent myself? Um, because I wanted to start anew, you know, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I'd been out of the workplace for a lot of years because I was just really kind of a pampered housewife, which I got to enjoy and got to go to art school and stuff, but but hadn't really been in the workforce for a long time. And, And as a part of my own healing process, I went to a place called Uh, Esalen up in Big Sur, California. Mm -hmm. And that was a place um, that has been around since the 60s. And it's um, really, they have classes and workshops in uh, human potential movement and development. And um, a lot of uh, well-known therapists of the times, you know, were teaching their uh, Fritz Perls and Gestalt therapy and all sorts of stuff. And so it was a place that I had always gone up to um, for many years as a kid, not for the workshops, but actually to enjoy the hot mineral baths that were there, because there's mm-hmm. these natural hot mineral springs that overlook the ocean, the Pacific Ocean. It's absolutely magical. And um, but when I went through divorce, um, you know, I was looking to first try to save my marriage. And so I found a workshop called New Beginnings. And I wanted my husband to come with me and experience a new beginning for us and try to heal some of the, you know, the past hurts. And when he declined, I went on my own and it turned out to be a new beginning for me. I was ready to start asking myself and my husband the tough questions. And uh, so that was the kind of beginning of the divorce and uh, part of my healing process while I was up at Esalen was to receive therapeutic touch. There's a certain type of Esalen massage that's um, very sensual. You're also you're outdoors, um, you know, o- just on the cliffs of the Pacific Ocean, which is mm-hmm. so incredible. And I experienced for the first time um, crying, <laughs> really, and and all these emotions came <laughs> up just from therapeutic touch. Because for so many years in my marriage, I had bottled up and kept in all of these, you know, emotions that were so hurtful. But I was, you know, just trying to be strong and and not um, not let my emotions out, you know. And mm-hmm. it takes a toll on the body, anyway. So when all these emotions came out, I I realized that wow, massage is a lot more than just being pampered. There's some some real deep therapeutic value in here, and uh, and I also noticed like the second massage that I received that I got off the table and all of a sudden I had this back pain, 
that wasn't there before. And, you know, I, I told my massage therapist, I said, well, this, you know, I feel worse rather than better. What happened? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you know, all of these stuck emotions that have been in your body, they're now being moved and we're, we're moving them, you know, through therapeutic touch. And I was like, oh, well, that's very interesting. And, um, so, uh, you know, that kind of back spasm seemed to lessen and, and remedy itself um, in the next day or so. But it opened my mind up to the idea of, um, wow, the, the emotions can really be stored in muscle tissue and in the body. And that was kind of a revelation for me. Mm-hmm. And so as I, you know, during my own healing process, I was receiving more therapeutic touch from different practitioners and um, experiencing a lot of different things. Energy work came into it. Um, and I thought, well, maybe, you know, this is what I'm going to reinvent myself as a, you know, a body worker. So I started off really uh, in body work. And uh, and got certified in a lot of different modalities, um, and then also energy work from a Native American perspective, because that was one of my um, teachers at the time up at Esalen. And um, so, and then uh, you know, looking to take that next step in my career path. So I did massage for several years, and then I wanted to you know progress beyond that. I didn't want to just be a massage therapist my my whole career. So I right. was looking at the next step. And mm-hmm. I considered um, homeopathy, acupuncture, um, needles kind of give me the willies. So that wasn't right. right, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sorry. I hear you though. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I nixed that one. And then uh, I went to see a friend of mine who was a homeopathic doctor a doctor of oriental medicine and acupuncture. And, and I was, you know, asking him for kind of career guidance. Mm-hmm. And he, when I went to see him in his office, his office at that time happened to be in the same place as the University of Santa Monica. And in the window, I saw a master's degree in spiritual psychology. And as soon as I read that, it's like, <laughs> wow, I didn't know there was such a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really the only university that, uh, at the time that provided that. And it was like, wow, that's the missing link for me. Because I, you know, earlier in school, I was always interested in psychology. I was very, um, you know, very in tune with my own body through massage and dance and um, yoga. And, uh, and I, I just thought, okay, this is, you know, there's, there's more to this puzzle of healing Um and so the spiritual aspect and the psychology aspect combined were perfect for me. And then I already had a, a really strong background in different kind of body therapies and body orientation. So um, the work that I do, um, you know, is is holistic and it addresses all four levels of our human experience, which is the physical level, the mental level the emotional level and the spiritual level. <laughs> right. So you just kind of, you just kind of matriculated up the chain and you saw something and you went, wow, that got that ties in. And then you went yeah. somewhere and said, Oh, Hey, you know, something, learn something else that ties in. So is there any more things that, that we can tie in? Are you, <laughs> are you, are you, are you topped out on the, on the, on the learning uh, mode or uh, oh where do we gosh. go from here? Where do we go from here? <laughs> you know, the learning, the learning always takes place. I, I have to say, and and now, you know, I'm I'm really learning so much from my clients. I'm blessed to work with hundreds and hundreds of people from all over the world and all walks of life, all different, you know, religious or spiritual backgrounds, different cultures, and it's so fascinating and i i i really i I think that's my greatest learning is uh working with my clients which has been just remarkable and and uh largely you know it uh i have to thank and acknowledge heal documentary which you know catapulted um my presence uh Mm -hmm. out to the world which is great you know 
Right. You know, the heel heel documentary is now on Amazon Prime Video. It left Netflix. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. You know, Dan, this is a question I've, I've really wanted to ask you. Okay, um, <laughs> can you talk about how childhood trauma can affect our physical and mental health as an adult? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question, Jimbo. Um, trauma comes up a lot in my work. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in the movie, you see me working with an advanced stage cancer client. She was mm-hmm. diagnosed with stage four colorectal cancer mm-hmm. um, back in 2013, I think. And she's been, you know, clear of disease, no evidence of d- disease mm-hmm. since 2014, which is really wonderful. And um, it's, you know, and since uh, the movie com- has come out, I've uh, I would say 30% of the clients that I work with from all over the world um, have an advanced stage cancer diagnosis. And it's not uncommon uh, for these types of diagnosis to um, see some sort of abuse or um, trauma, sexual abuse, you know, mm-hmm. in the history and in childhood. So it, it, I've been tracking that. And that's very, it's very interesting that that, that seems to come up not surprised but uh, but going back to your question of you know what you know how does early childhood trauma affect the adult so the the child you know comes into this world and um they're completely innocent you know they're Mm -hmm. really come from source from the spiritual perspective and um you know roughly between the ages of three and 12 they start to be aware of you know the adult world around them and some of those adult worlds are pretty crazy and right. scary and so they develop protection mechanisms and survival strategies to um you know kind of just cope environment and and try to make themselves feel safe somehow those early childhood experiences uh get imprinted in the subconscious mind of the child. And that, you know, by the time, uh, you know, the child reaches, um, you know, 20s or, yeah, probably 20s, then, um, or ad- young adulthood, um, the, the, the subconscious mind, which represents 95% of how we respond to the world, you know, mm-hmm. as adults, mm-hmm. Um, is really run by that subconscious mind, right? So 90, 95% of, of how we respond to the world has been imprinted from those early childhood experiences and those protection mechanisms and coping strategies that we developed early on. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to go off the cuff a little bit. And I had a yeah. question in my mind here. I wish there was some type of a, so how do you stop it? How do you fix it? How do you figure it out? Like, I mean, (laughs) if you're, uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. That's like the first question that came to my mind. And as I I was listening to you, I was like, Jimmy, you know, don't, don't, don't get off track here and get, get way down in the woods because you never know where you may end up. But I I just, that, that was just the first thing that came to my mind and I'm glad you kind of laughed, but how do you fix it? There's no way to go into and figure <laughs> out how many kids are being abused, I guess, okay. and, well, and, then, okay. and is... then track it to, you know, like, that's extremely interesting to me. And I, I, I what you're saying makes so much sense to me. Um, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, this is the the core of the work. This is what the work is all about. Right, right. You know, and uh, so, um, you know, this just childhood imprinting, Mm -hmm. um, there's a process that I use, you know, lots of different methods. Um, The healing part of it is taking a look at that inner saboteur voice, you know, that resides in the subconscious mind of that adult that, you know, because of childhood experiences, believes that um, they're not good enough, they're not lovable, they're not worthy, right? Also mm-hmm. looking at that inner that has been traumatized, um, you know, so working with those two um, 
entities, if you will, the inner child and the inner saboteur voice to transform them into inner allies to support goals for health, for wellness, for happiness and success. And there's, um, you know, different techniques that I use to access that information. So um, what's really important to understand is that and what differentiates my work from uh, traditional uh, therapy, right, is the spiritual approach. So um, I like to point out that you can't do what I call the spiritual bypass, which is believe that you can talk your way out of or think your way out of or rationalize your way out of thinking or feeling or believing a certain way. Mm-hmm. Because if it's a really loud inner saboteur voice that resides mm-hmm. on the inside or a deeply wounded, traumatized child, there's no amount of positive affirmations or positive self-talk that's going to override that inner saboteur voice, that loud voice, right? Okay. So, um, you you have to do the healing. The healing does not take place up in the intellectual, rational thinking mind where all the protection mechanisms originated. Mm-hmm. So in the 20 years I've been doing this work, I, I see over and over again that the healing has to take place at deeper levels of the heart, the soul, and the subconscious level. And those are the levels that I work at. And there's different techniques that I use with my clients to access those levels. Um, you know, so that's um, that's how I work. <laughs> does, that, does that answer some of that question? About uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, you know, my wife is really into meditation, but the concept of of being aware, you know, feelings or surroundings, listening to your breath, looking at the light in a different way, mm-hmm. uh, frequencies, envisioning your future or your life or health in a calm state, you know, for me is really difficult. You know, trust me, mm-hmm. I've tried a handful of times, and, and my mind just wanders. You know, my mm-hmm. wife says I have a uh, uh, a monkey mind. <laughs> okay, but, uh, okay. you know, what advice would you give someone like me who, who, you know, I, I, I guess uh, maybe my outer soul, my outer Jimmy is, you know, I, I've always denied it and always just thought it was just, you know, something that was kind of crazy, which, um, you know, I've legitimately been diagnosed with what they call ADHD, but, you know, what that gets into meditation, you know, you know, how can you help somebody like myself or what, what would you do? Yeah, that's a really good question, Jimbo. So, cause you know, you're not alone in that. A lot of people, <laughs> um, you know, uh, suffer from what is diagnosed as ADD or ADHD mm-hmm. and, or monkey mind, um, where they just can't, you know, focus on one thing. Monkey and for those, yeah, for those people, Um, you know, telling them to sit down and meditate is really hard because their mind is just racing and racing, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that, um, that I'll have them do is to start a mindfulness practice, right? Mm -hmm. So rather than trying to sit still, which is hard and calm that mind, um, bring a mindfulness practice into taking a walk. Right. And uh, nature, by the way, plays a really big part in the work that I do. So, um, yeah, yeah, nature is a healer, teacher and inspiration for healing. So um, so I'll say, you know, take some time every day. Take time for yourself first um, to go for a walk and make that a mindful meditation, like a walking meditation for yourself. And during that time. Um, I don't want you to be listening to a podcast. Don't want you to be, um, you know, making a to-do list of, of the day. But I want you to be mindful of everything that you see in your environment, right? Hopefully you're out in nature someplace. So I want you to look at the ground that you're walking on. Look at uh, the rocks that show up. Look at the plants that are next to you. Look at the trees. Look at the clouds. Any birds that you happen to see. Being mindful. Also bringing attention and mindfulness to your breath. How does your how does your breath change as you're walking? And and what is your pace? Are you walking fast? Are you are you walking slow? 
Um, and, and bringing a mindfulness practice to uh, walking and a, and a lot of things, even washing dishes can be a mindful practice, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're watching your hands, you're, you're, you know, as you're looking at your hands of washing dishes, you can be going, wow, these are really great hands. These <laughs> hands have like helped me through so many things in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, they've really served me. So bringing a sense of also wonder and awe to your environment, to your actions. Mm-hmm. So this is a, like a shift in, in consciousness and awareness. And that's, uh, you know, one place to start. Um, the other place to start uh, when you feel that you can sit and try meditation is to focus on the breath right so uh you want to try doing a little breath exercise with me now <laughs> oh my goodness <clears throat> oh, hey hey all right here we go now uh now uh, when you say focus I'm, I'm sorry i was thinking so crazy i was thinking i'm walking outside and i'm trying to look for my breath or something i guess you're oh. talking about my breathing <laughs> rate right no, I'm, I'm being a little bit funny. Uh, no, but you're talking about like your 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 heart rate. Is that what you mean? Nope. Focusing on your breathing. So are you are you seated right now? Uh, I absolutely am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So what I want you to do is to uh, sit up straight where you're seated. Uncross your legs if they're crossed. Place both feet on the floor. I want your palms facing up in your lap. If there's armrests, make sure that your elbows are not on the armrest, but just, you know, by your side, palms facing up in your lap. I want you to pull your shoulders back so you're opening up the chest cavity and close your eyes. And now I want you to breathe in deeply and fully through your nose, pulling in a long, slow breath through the nose, holding briefly at the top and then exhaling fully and completely and very slowly through the relaxed open mouth. And again, inhaling fully and deeply through the nose, filling the lungs to 80% capacity and exhaling fully and completely through the relaxed open mouth. And again, once more, Inhaling fully and deeply through the nose, holding briefly at the top, and exhaling fully and completely to 80% capacity. Okay, so now, how do you feel after that? Well, I certainly feel relaxed, but in my mind, I'm thinking, I hope I don't fall asleep, you know, I'm like... (laughs) And, 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 but you know something though, I, I I can definitely feel you know it. You you do it more than three times. Am I correct, or or you just keep doing it until you feel comfortable doing it, or is, is three the number? Or well, um, the more the more kind of practiced you are at this, you can completely calm down your nervous system and calm down that monkey mind in three breaths. Now, if I was sitting on my couch in the in the and the music was was you know like you're in the spa or whatever and you know when i've gone and gotten my my blood pressure taken mm-hmm. um uh <laughs> you know i go in there the first time they take it and they're like all right lay down for 20 minutes and we'll come back <laughs> cuz it's racing doc- it's high and the do- yeah and the doctor would 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 make me lay down on the on the little bed there and turn yeah. off the light and i would <laughs> I would just lay there and go, okay. and and then they would come back in and and do it again, and they'd be like, "All right, you're good, you can go." Okay. Did, did it? Did the blood pressure decrease then? Did it? Uh, I, I, you know, absolutely, it did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. if I would have been doing that, it probably would have went down a lot faster before I went in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this, you know, there's just a lot of anxiety there, right? <laughs> well, you know what's funny because you you know they're gonna do. You're going in there. You already have high blood pressure. And you're going in there, you know they're going to check it, and 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 you when they when they tell you your worst fear, you're like, because that's all you're doing is sitting there thinking about it the whole time when you're going in there, or at least I yeah. am anyway, you know. Yeah, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
high now. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So next time, next time you go in, um, try this uh, diaphragmic breathing exercise, you know, uh, while you're in the car, before you walk into the doctor's office. And then while you're sitting in the doctor's office, waiting for them to take you into the examination room, practice it again. And then while you're sitting there and they, you know, put the cuff around your arm, practice it again. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. I promise I'm going to do that, too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I also wanted to ask you this, Deanne. What is the grounding process, and how does that work? I don't, I don't, did you, I don't think you touched on that. If you did, I would, I want to go mm. down that hole a little bit. Yeah. So, um, what do you mean by grounding? Um, you is had mentioned. Different? Go ahead. Well, yeah, you had mentioned. I guess there's there's two ways you can go or uh, I don't I don't want to try and repeat back what I tried okay. to learn in a short process. But um, does that strike in a bell with you? Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's about how that can to... help you out as you anyway, go ahead, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So there's two you know ways that I think of grounding, grounding right. uh, oneself in the moment and being present. Right. And right. grounding oneself from that monkey mind also right. can be a, a process of, you know, as simple as going outside barefoot and letting your feet feel the grass, the dirt, the soil, whatever is beneath your feet. So grounding yourself on mm-hmm. Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's one aspect of grounding the, the physical body, right? Mm-hmm. Then the other part of grounding that I think you might be referring to is what I call anchoring. So when I do, um, you know, these deeper processes with my clients and we're accessing the deeper levels of the heart, the soul. and That's the exactly what I'm. Yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's yes, it. ma'am. Okay. That's, that's it. Now you got it. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So those are really deep processes uh-huh. and, and, and which and what that means is that we're going you're know, going back in time you know we're going back to early childhood mm-hmm. often or we're going back to trauma or something and then and it can be a very emotional experience um and so to anchor that experience um you know before i i give an uh you know an anchoring process um, again, this has to do with not doing that spiritual bypass, but doing the deep healing work first, mm-hmm. right? Which is mm-hmm. on that heart, soul, subconscious level. Then we can um, anchor that new experiential awareness in the conscious mind through a variety of techniques. And one of the techniques is called neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP for short. Mm-hmm. And NLP is uh, that's where your positive affirmations come in, positive affirmations and self-talk. So I will, you know, give a personalized um, uh, phrase for someone to work with um, for 32 days as a grounding or an anchoring of the deeper process work that we had done. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And that's, you know, that anchoring, the NLP work, what that does is it actually creates a new neural pathway in the mind. So, you know, a lot of our fears and habits, you know, I said everything is, you know, the, the adults working nine, you know, 95% of the time uh, from the subconscious, right? Mm-hmm. Really not mm-hmm. being aware. So, and only 5% really of the choices that, and how people respond in the world are, you know, made consciously. So that means that, um, you know, people are making kind of behaving and responding to the world based on uh, the perspective of protection mechanisms and survival strategies that were developed between ages three and 12, roughly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So creating new neural pathways to rewrite that old program um, is one of the anchoring processes. And that's, that's the, um, you know, the NLP work. 
right there's there's other anchoring techniques that i that i use um through different types of homeworks that i assign after each session and then i never know what a homework might be until the end of a session um but it'll be something that addresses either the physical level the mental level the emotional level or the spiritual level wouldn't that kind of lead you back to even in some aspects of of you know it always just seems like it goes back to something, whatever that something may be, right? Um, it, it, it kind of, and it doesn't seem like it ties in together with the same thing about the kids that maybe or some that had childhood trauma. Am I right, or something yeah. along those lines? I mean, and yeah. then how your health goes, and 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 yeah. I mean, I, this all this is just so so extremely interesting to me. Um, and you probably touched on this, but I wanted to maybe elaborate a little bit more on. <laughs> On you had said that the healing process starts in the heart and soul. Yeah. Okay. Let's elaborate a little bit more on that for me. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, um, traditional approaches to therapy largely focus on cognitive and behavioral approaches to give someone an, you know, an understanding that, oh, you know, yeah, you had this, you experienced this childhood trauma. um, And that's why you're behaving this way now in the present. Right. Right. So that gives you an, you know, an intellectual understanding of why, maybe, right? But that doesn't heal anything. Right. So, you know, I've been doing this work for over 20 years. And, um, and where, uh, in my perspective, you know, which isn't everyone's perspective, where traditional approaches fall short is that, you know, healing doesn't take place in the mind. And in the, in the you know, in understanding Healing has to take place at deeper levels of the heart, the soul, and the subconscious, and through experience. So, you know, children learn, uh, again, you know, there's just sponges for information. Mm -hmm. So, again, you know, through those early childhood experiences, um, they're learning much more from what they see and experience than than from what they're told. Mm -hmm. Right. Because oftentimes what adults tell them doesn't really fit with the actions that they see. (laughs) Sure. Right. Right. right, And it's like, yeah, well, you say one thing, but you're doing something else and this doesn't make sense. So they're like, you know, what's up with this? So that the adult world doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So um, and so these survival strategies and protection mechanisms become ingrained in the memory and in the subconscious and they become the default program. Um, and if there's trauma or neglect or any of that, that that's also you know deeply ingrained in the in the psyche and in the subconscious. Mm-hmm. And understanding <laughs> that it that it happened isn't enough to heal it. So the work that I do, uh, you know, to access well to access those deeper levels. I use a a technique called somatic dialogue Mm -hmm. and it's similar to hypnosis, but a little bit different. Um, But it allows us to calm down that overactive monkey mind, get out of that rational thinking place and access deeper levels of the heart, the soul and the subconscious level. And then while we're at those deeper places, now we're dialoguing with the body and we're getting information from what's being held in the body. And 98% of the time in my experience, what's being held in the body is uh, experiences from early childhood. So that's right. when that comes up. And then, we, and then we do the healing work. And the healing work may include, like I said, the inner child healing work, uh, looking at that inner saboteur voice, turning it into an inner ally to support one's goals for health, for wellness, for happiness, success. Also sacred anger work. If you remember, there was a recall in Heal documentary, the scene where my client's throwing rocks on the hillside. Do you remember that scene? No, but I know about, I remember the talk, I remember the scene about the cancer patient. (laughs) Okay. Well, she was uh, she was throwing rocks at one scene, and that is an example of sacred anger work. And what that is, it's another healing um, mm-hmm. modality, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is 
um, moving that low vibration stuck energy that's been held in the body right. from trauma, from whatever. Right. right. Um, so uh, physical exercise with intention is uh, is helps to move that stuck energy from the body. And it's not the only way to do it. When, when I was healing, um, you know, after divorce and then later on after the death of a beloved, uh, my sacred anger practice was to go mountain biking. Right. And every day I would like pump up this steep hill and I would allow myself to emote, you know, because I knew in both of those experiences that I, you know, there was a lot of darkness that was being held inside my body, a lot of anger, a lot of hurt, a lot of uh, sadness. Um, and uh, I identified it in my body as this sludge, this mud that resided in my solar plexus. Mm-hmm. And so while I would pump uphill, I would allow myself to release that because I knew if I allowed those energies to stay in my body for any length of time, it was going to make me sick. And I was going to weaken my immune system. And I didn't want to do that to myself. So intuitively, I knew that I needed to move that stuck energy. And so my method uh, was mountain biking. And every day I would pump uphill and I would allow my body and my to vocalize, you know, and it was there was crying or cursing, getting angry at God, whatever needed to come out, I let come out. Mm-hmm. And what I experienced viscerally was an emptying out of that dark sludge, that gook. Mm-hmm. And um, after doing that for a while, as part of my daily practice, and I, there came a day where, wow, it felt cleared and it wasn't residing there anymore. And um, and then I knew I had the opportunity to fill it with something of my choosing. And that was gratitude and beauty and love. And so now I'm, you know, continuing to cycle and mountain bike. And now I'm making it a mindful practice, right? Now it's no longer sacred anger work, but it's a mindful uh, cycling practice. And I'm looking at the trees and the birds and the sky and feeling the air on my skin and just drinking in visually all the beauty that surrounds me and and embracing the gratitude that I had in my heart that I was feeling. You know, it's like, wow, yeah, I I I'm powerful. I I emptied this crap out of me and and I have the ability to change what I experience inside myself. I'm doing it right now. Very powerful stuff. Uh, Hey, I'm so happy. See there, everybody. Mountain biking, exercise. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, take your anger out on the bicycle. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Take it out of the weights. I promise you it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. No, Dan, it does. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> it does. Or, you know, boxing is another thing, too. Oh, there um, you go. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. why Mike Some Tyson's those, such a killer. <laughs> right. Some of those activities. So, if you're doing, you know, personal work uh-huh. and releasing, um, you know, I find that being outdoors and doing it is for me it's it just feels much better i don't want to be in an enclosed environment i don't want to be conscientious about uh who's listening who's watching sure you know Mm -hmm. um and i know that when you're outdoors in nature nature can absorb that big release of energy Mm -hmm. you know and uh so when i uh have people do sacred anger work i always encourage them to do it outdoors when they can um and then another part of the healing is forgiveness right Mm -hmm. and it's not so much the judgment or the blame that we hold against others but it's the self-judgment that is the most damaging to one's health because Mm -hmm. again how are you holding those thoughts and emotions inside your body are you creating suppressed mental and emotional stress or you know 
which is weakening your immune system? Or are you feeling joy and gratitude? So You're down on yourself, which is bringing you down. Yeah, it's not only bringing your emotions down, it's creating that chemical reaction mm -hmm. in the body of the release of stress hormones, the cortisol and, uh, and the adrenaline, right? Mm -hmm. So the cortisol is a stress hormone. Now, cortisol is not all bad. In fact, we need it. We need cortisol. Um, and we need it especially in critical life-threatening situations, you know? The um because it saves our life. So an example that I give is one day when I was mountain biking and I always um would find a place up on the mountaintop somewhere to sit and meditate. And so this day I put my bike down and I'm sitting on the ground in a cross-legged position. And um as soon as I'm done with the meditation, I raised my arms up over my head, and as soon as I moved my arms, I heard a ch -ch 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 right next to me now immediately <laughs> my limbic brain registered that as a rattlesnake you, and you got a stomach ache <laughs> i didn't i didn't have time for that i had without <laughs> even thinking i had leapt up from a cross-legged cross seated position on the ground um to a standing position away from the source of the noise right so right. that is an example of how the cortisol and, you know, gets flooded, the cortisol and adrenaline and, and, a, and a freeze, fight or flight triggering incident floods the system and gets you out of danger. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, after I got up, I looked around, never saw the snake, saw it was clear, got my bike and continued. Now, if I had if I had chosen to relive that scary situation over and over and over again in my mind, I could have kept my stress hormones elevated in my body for longer periods. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what happens when we hold on to, um, you know, past hurts, angers, disappointments, you know, we're creating this inner realm of suppressed mental and emotional stress it's like the steady, slow drip of those cortisol stress hormones um, that are slowly chipping away at the immune system, making the body more susceptible to illness, disease, and even cancers. You know, Dan, let me ask you this. So once you kind of, is that like the most important part of the the, the, the process is is uh, you know obviously we gotta you know you gotta be able to to crawl before you can walk and so on and so forth but um is that is that the hardest part to to chip away at and then once you get past that part a lot of the other stuff just kind of flows you know or or is that like the most when you're with your 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 clients um patients um is that like the most difficult thing that you see are you or, talking about the doing the deeper work or what? Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's the most difficult thing for most people to get past? I guess hmm. when you're going through the process. Wow. Um, none of it seems difficult. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, what I was just wondering I, if some people had more. <laughs> yeah. What I what I experience with my clients is. Um, you know, they're willing to show up. So uh, particularly the ones that have a life-threatening diagnosis like cancer, they're right. my favorite clients because they know that they can't bullshit around anymore. Right, their right. Life's on, their life's on the line. Right. You know, unlike ordinary stress or depression or autoimmune disorders, they can, you know, they've been living with that. That's okay. It's not going to kill them. Right, <laughs> right, right. But, um, you know, so most people... When they, uh, you know, seek me out and want to work with me, they've seen Heal documentary. They understand the concepts of mind-body medicine. Um, they've come to a, a point where traditional medicine and therapy hasn't <clears throat> done enough for them, or they know that there's something that's deeper seated mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed, <clears throat> and so they'll seek me out. Right. Right. So um, most of the people that make the effort to even find me um, 
are ready to do the work and show up for themselves. They're not showing up for me. They're showing up for themselves. Right, right, right. <clears throat> you know, I, I was just, I, you know, in my mind, I was just kind of trying to, to think of like, what would be in like, I, oh my goodness. I would love to, 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 to talk with you uh, uh, a lot more. Um, and uh, I'm sure my wife, my wife would, would want to talk with you as well. Um, you know, something I work with a lot of couples. Oftentimes, I, I wind up working with one individual first, and then, you know, their partner uh, sees some significant changes happening in their life. And they're like, hmm, maybe I'm going to check this out for myself. So, you know, they might book a session with me. And sometimes, oftentimes, it'll alternate between individual sessions and then couple uh, sessions. So. Sure. All that's possible. <laughs> well, she she's gotten me more and more and more interested as as, as time goes <laughs> on, and 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 just listening to you, and you know, listening to her, and 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 get you know, gathering the information that I've gathered is 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 just uh, a pretty an amazing thing on how all that stuff ties in together. Um, it's all connected. And that's <laughs> right. I, She's told me that a hundred thousand times. It's all connected. And that, that's why it was so important for me early on in my career 20 years ago that, um, you know, that one modality wasn't enough. You right. know, it, um, it had to be, you know, it had to include body, mind, heart, and soul. Had to. That actually is going to, I've got uh, a couple more questions here, and that's actually going to kind of lead me into this one. And I was hoping you could give me a little information on this one. You know, in the movie Heal, you know, you worked with cancer patients, and I know most of this conversation has been geared around the mind and spirituality, uh, meditation, you know, but I also know that you're a big cheerleader of clean eating, okay? Um mm -hmm. Can you go into a little bit more detail about that and perhaps how food can give us a higher frequencies and therefore better health? <clears throat> Do you honestly believe there is a way to prevent cancer when it comes to our lifestyle and behaviors? Okay, so that's also a lot of questions. So we'll deal with the food <laughs> first. <laughs> so <clears throat> um, I'm not a nutritionist, so I don't give nutritional guidance. You know, okay. that's not my expertise. Okay. Um, I know the basics because that's how I live my life. You know? Right. Okay. And uh, so I eat, you know, largely fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, you know, I eat more um, more plant foods than I do meat. Um, I um, I used to be, let me see, used to be a pescatarian, I would say, um, where I just ate fish. Um, okay. and maybe once in a while chicken. But then I broke my wrist when I was mountain biking. And <clears throat> when I was healing from that, my body was saying red meat, red meat. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that's when I reintroduced good quality red meat. So once mm -hmm. in a very, very great while, maybe, I don't know, once or twice a year or something, I might have um, a little bit of good quality red meat. So I make sure that it's, um, you know, like grass fed and, Mm -hmm. And hopefully, um, uh, no pest, no pesticides or hormones or any of that bad stuff that they put in things. And, you know, I stay away from the highly processed foods. Doesn't mean that I don't ever have a craving for like a potato chip <laughs> mm -hmm. or a bag. Okay. What's your favorite potato chip? Oh God, I really don't have them. I, I never buy them. The only time I eat them is if I go to someone's party and there's like a bowl of a, a okay. then I, it's like, you have one, you can't just have one, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, we can eat just one. No, I got Yeah. You. <laughs> so, you know, but, um, you know, I've just done things in my diet over the years to refine it more and more. And um, I stopped drinking coffee years ago and I switched over to Yerba Mate um, which is like a green tea. It has a lot of antioxidants and different health benefits. So I just prefer that. But I, mm -hmm. I also love, um, I loved the ritual of making cappuccinos for so many years. So I just <laughs> right. run my yerba mate leaves through the cappuccino machine and I make my own fresh almond milk and it's delicious. So, right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the, the, 
I'm very aware of the phytochemical nutrients in fresh vegetables and fruits. And when I, when I cook, um, I cook with color, you know, the the deeper color that the, the vegetables and fruits are, the more phytonutrients they have in them. So, and uh, so I cook by color and texture. Okay. Okay. And then I like, I like, you know, I'm really good with spices, so it always tastes wonderful. And uh, so that's the, I guess the food part. And what else about food? Um, mindful eating. Oh my gosh. This is a really important part, really, because, um, you know, uh, good nutrition and digestion and uh, assimilating the food really has to take place um and if well it starts in the olfactories first right so you know i i tell people try to make your own foods don't you know go out and um do fast foods um because it's there it's missing the special ingredient and that's the love right mm-hmm. so um when you're when you're preparing your meals when you're cooking and you're you know starting to smell the aromas emanating from the kitchen, that's stimulating the gastric juices. And so the digestive process is already starting, in, mm-hmm. you know, with the olfactory. So mm-hmm. that's the, the first part. And then um, mindfully eating, not gobbling it down, you know, but being mindful of each delicious morsel. And, um, and that's helping the digestive system um, to digest the food and also um, extract the nutrients that it needs because you're not stressed out over eating or while eating, right? Right. So mindful eating, mindful food preparation um, helps the body to assimilate the nutrients. When you say, um, when you say the love, mm-hmm. to, to me, what I thought of was, is that like what you mean by like the satisfaction of like, you know, mowing your own grass or, or washing yeah. your own car, or, you know, you're making your own food and you're smelling it and maybe you're in there with the fam or, you know, whatever, doing your thing, talking. Is that what you mean by the love? Absolutely. There we go. Absolutely. Well, if you're bringing love to that practice, I mean, if you're mowing the lawn and you're angry. Maybe it's sacred anger work. Then. I <laughs> hey, maybe that's but, your, maybe that, right. Maybe that's your, maybe that's what, that's your, yeah. that's your mountain bike right there. I got you. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> just bringing, uh, bringing a mindfulness practice to all of those activities, washing the car, mowing the lawn, um, food preparation, washing dishes, uh, making a bed, you know, mm-hmm. all of that is a mindful practice. Gotcha. And when you when you practice mindfulness, it does help to train that mind to um, slow down and focus on what you're doing, being present in the moment. Right. That's really important. Being present in the moment. Don't want to spend waste waste time, really worrying about the past, worrying about the future, because all there is is right now, this present moment. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. I got the biggest question of all for you. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. (laughs) All right. This is it. You ready? You know, I want you to tell us about your company, Porsche's Wish. Oh, thank you for asking about that. (laughs) Yeah, Porsche's Wish is something that I conceived over 20 years ago when I was doing my master's course in spiritual psychology. I actually wrote a book based on that and mm-hmm. uh, or called Porsche's wish and wish is an acronym. It stands for the whole integrated self health path to healing, loving and living consciously. And that is the, you know, that's, it's the roadmap of how I work and have mm-hmm. continued to work holistically. So, um, you know, whole, a whole person, integrated meaning integrated body mind heart soul self because it's the self the individual that um you're working on right it's your body it's your vessel um and for health right we're only the individual is responsible for their health doctors aren't responsible for the health the individual is right so and um 
you know, and it's based on, and when you start being more mindful about, and, you know, your responsibility to your body temple, you start making, um, you know, different choices that are now, you know, more self-honoring, more self-loving, more self-nurturing. And then the tagline path to healing, loving, and living consciously. So healing is everything we've been talking about. Loving is the, the, the level that the healing takes place in, right? In the heart level. Uh-huh. And living consciously um, means that you are actively practicing a mindfulness practice every day in all of the activities you do. It means that you're also mindful of the bigger picture. You know, uh, we humans think that we're the, you know, on, we, we're the, the master of the universe, but we're not, you know, we're a part of it. And we're living on this beautiful planet, planet Earth, Mother Earth. And um, we need to honor that. And we need to live in right relationship to Mother Earth that provides sustenance for all living things on the planet. All the plants, all the animals, all the humans, all the the creatures in the oceans, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and also thankful and grateful for air and the sun and the and the clean air, right? And the sun is what energizes all of us. Mm-hmm. Right? Just like plants go through photosynthesis, our human bodies uh, live in alignment. We're designed to live in alignment, like all living things, with the cycles of the moon and the sun. And, um, you know, we have a circadian body clock in our in our bodies that um, that go along with the cycles of the, the sun and the moon. And that 24-hour circadian body clock affects every cell and every organ in our body. It's all connected. <laughs> Mother Earth. Father Sky, our bodies, <laughs> all the plants, all the animals, all of that. So the Indians were right, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, my early my early teacher, Wine Chunka, who is a beautiful uh, Cherokee man. I met uh-huh. a person that taught me the Native American traditions and um, to honor. Uh, Mother Earth, Father Sky, for directions, the plants, the animals, you know, the ancestors. And um, and so that living consciously in the tagline is about living consciously and in right relationship to the earth, you know. So right. when you go shopping, you know, for something that you think you need, is it going to eventually wind up in a landfill? Uh uh, what kind of choices yeah. are you going to make? You know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We don't need so much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm not a hoarder, but I throw in the trash, so I'm sure it ends up in a landfill. Or you yeah, buy something, well, you buy something for, you buy a thirty dollar toy for your kid, and, and yeah. a year later you're selling a garage sale for a quarter. Yeah, I know. So maybe maybe you ought to find another way to get that toy. Go to a you know where do they have these? community exchanges where you, you know, swap clothes and toys and all that kind of stuff. So you're not buying more new stuff that's going to wind up in a landfill. Right. Give it a longer life. I mean, we all can make, every day we can make different choices that support our health, that support our happiness, that support living in right relationship with planet Earth. Hey, it all ties in together, right, Deanne? It all, <laughs> it all right, it's all connected. You know, yeah. we, we will make sure that we have your website and your social media info, you know, in the show notes, as well as a few videos that I encourage everyone to check out. You yeah, know, thank that you. Was, I just uh, want to, if yes, I can ma'am. just add also, uh, mm-hmm. Jimbo, that I have a YouTube channel mm-hmm. uh, called, you know, Deanne Portia. And on that YouTube channel, I have many different playlists. And there's playlists on healing cancer. There's playlists on relationship. There's um, playlists on, uh, I think, mind, body, health, or wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some personal stuff up there. You can learn a little bit more about me personally. I also have an Instagram account 
which is my full name as well, Deanne Portia, spelled D-I-A-N-N-E, and then <laughs> P is in Paul, O-R-C-H-I-A, and um, and I'm on Facebook as well. So lots of ways to get in touch with me. You know, I've I've watched a few of those uh, that you mentioned, so I, I encourage everybody to to get down into it. I promise you, once you spend a few minutes, and it, it it'll blow your mind on on how the, a lot of these things connect. And I promise you, I will try to uh, you know use a few of these practices that you shared with us today. You know, it'll make my wife happy. <laughs> and we all know the old adage, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know something you want to you want to do it for yourself first. I understand. Right. right? I'm sure she would agree. Don't do it for me. Do it for yourself. <laughs> well, she, she's already had me turn the corner. But, uh, you know, Deanne, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I, I really, really enjoyed this conversation on so many levels. I hope you guys can benefit from all the good nuggets that Deanne shared with us. I also hope that you can take some valuable information from the conversation and can apply it in one way in your life or maybe in someone you know that's close to you. All of Deanne's contact info will be on the show's landing page. Please take a minute and check it out. It just might be life-changing for you, okay? Uh, don't forget, everyone needs to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the other episodes. And lastly, remember, we are syndicated, so this show will be on Up To Me Radio channel and all the following popular apps, Spotify, Amazon Music, Alexa, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. I look forward to serving you all in episodes to come. I'll see you next time, and cheers, and as always, peace out.